0: and start shopping at business.walmart.com. That's business.walmart.com. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor uh, of Industry Content and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. And I am here today with Dr. Romy Chopra, we are going to talk about a variety of topics today, but we're really looking at a theme here about putting the care back in healthcare. Um, first of all, Doctor Chopra, thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I want to go to that comment. Uh, we were speaking offline. You put that quote into my head, and uh, I want to repeat it again. You said, "Was you want to put the care back in healthcare?" Share your thoughts on that statement.
1: Yeah, I've been doing this for a very long time. You know, I got into med school. I was 17 and a half years old. My passion is taking care of people. I tell myself I'm a humanist and I believe in the human condition. And as I went through, I started in India all the way through Harvard Medical School, shared large departments and healthcare has become very transactional. And humans have three levels they live on. The body, the mind, and the spirit. Body is physical. Mind is where you think. And feelings. And that's the thing that I found most was people were just treating other human beings like machines, doing a procedure, not caring about it. I'm an interventional radiologist. I used to see staff yelling at patients, don't move. I'm like, he's not deaf. Show some care. And so... And to me, kindness is the core human value. You cannot care if you're not kind. And those who don't care shouldn't be in healthcare. And we as humans are not capable of taking care of ourselves. We need prenatal care. We need postmortem care. And in the richest country in the world with the $4 trillion economy, it was always about you know if you go to big institutions it's about the institution or the technology or something else but we as humans need care all the time and it, it for us you may be in the world but actually the world is in you i see the world as i see it it's my paradigm and we all want to be cared for and years ago i said you know what why don't we put the care back in healthcare and that's how i got on this mission and i've had this passion and the only way to do that today is to really transform digitally and make life better. The patient is the center of our universe, which is everybody.
0: So. Wow. That's a beautiful statement. Now, if I heard you right, you said you got in healthcare in, at the age of 17. What got you interested in healthcare in the first place?
1: So, you know, I, the youngest of seven kids back in India, and it was a different time, so 1979. Uh, and, uh, I was 17 and a half. I just felt like I got to get the help. I truly believe that there are no accidents in the universe. I thought I was first going to be, you know, an engineer of some sort. You know, as a young man, as a teenager, you get influenced by people. But I had the opportunity to interact with a couple of physicians. I was ill, not Ill, that severely ill. But I remember just meeting this doc and he put his hand on my belly and the feeling I got, whoa! And uh, since then, I said I'm going to medicine. I had all the siblings in medicine, cousins in medicine, and in India, if you were to be successful, they wanted you to be a doctor, an engineer, or a very wealthy businessman. And I was just following my calling and landed up in med school.
0: You are currently uh, the chairman of Mimit Health. Uh- Tell us about what is your what do you see as your role there, and what's the role and the objective of Mimit Health?
1: Yeah, so the first thing is my role at Mimit Health as the as the leader, the founder and leader, is I want to put a dent in the universe and how we you know practice medicine. Done this at many different levels, and so we knew that we want to do patient-centered, evidence-based care, do it better, faster, cheaper, uh, and the other paradigm was center on the patient, connect with them and collaborate for their success. All of this is very true outside of healthcare, but healthcare is just, once you come into healthcare, it's as if you're living in a different world. So I took Mimit Health to kind of do that. We're a multi-specialty group. And uh, I, I'm an interventional radiologist by training, but more like an endovascular surgeon. I do a lot of endovascular work, but we do a whole bunch of other minimally invasive surgeries. Uh, But we have uh, anesthesiologists, we have primary care, we have a general surgery program, all of this centered around taking care of people. And one of the things I was very passionate about was finding the ways to continually improve to provide that kind of, in, in that paradigm. So my job today is other than taking care of patients is build an organization, provide the leadership, and develop the systems to make sure we meet that mission. What's our mission? To help people live their healthiest, best lives. You know, if you have mice at home, you're not looking for the fanciest mousetrap. You wanna get rid of mice. Same way people wanna live healthy. The word disease comes from when you're not at ease. And, you know, at the spiritual level, I always find it fascinating, we as humans, especially in this country, we're always hunting for diagnosis. Versus what people want is to feel well. And then when they feel well, they want the best option for them. And that may not just be a surgery. It's, it's all the things combined. So I say holistic means from meditation to AI. We have AI tools. We have lasers. We have fancy equipment. But at the basic human level, you got to touch that person's soul and connect with them at the spiritual level. It may just be holding the hands and say, please don't worry. Take I teach them breathing, teach them some meditation. That's the kind of paradigm. That's what I mean by put the care back in healthcare.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, you and I were talking offline earlier today, and you were talking about the quadruple aim. You were talking about how that is integral to your philosophy yes. in your practice. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it's now actually become the quintuple aim. The five.
0: Okay. The
1: Institute for Healthcare Improvement, Don Burwick, years ago, I was a young fellow at uh, the Brigham and Women's part of Howard Medical School. I was given a project that nobody wanted to touch. It was on quality management thing, quality assurance. Everybody hated that word. I loved it because it was like, well, there's something. And I learned process engineering. Yeah. I learned a lot about you know quality management. There's Don Burwick, uh, who was the leading that. He talked about how you can spend a spacecraft to Mars, but why can't we figure out healthcare processes, et cetera? So from then on, I started looking at this, but the Institute of Healthcare had for the triple aim, it became quadruple, and now it's quintuple. So what are those? First is excellent quality of care. Second is an excellent patient experience. Third is cost-effective care. Fourth is avoid provider burnout, the team's burning out. And fifth is equitable care, and equity is not just about money. Equitable is about the social determinants of health. You may live in a zip code that you won't get help—transportation issues, uh, education level, poverty, not have you know food issues. So you kind of balance that to take care of the population. Now, outside of healthcare, I'm sure you buy from Amazon, don't you? Mm-hmm. Give you an excellent product, excellent care. You get a great experience. If you have any problems, you'll get excellent customer service. Third, they they make money. You make money. Amazon, Costco always give you a better deal than anywhere else. Well, you'll never meet a stressed out uh, Amazon employee, at least customer facing. And fifth, they don't discriminate. They'll get it to you. They don't care. It's equitable. Why can't healthcare be like that? And that's the question I always pose to myself. Why can't healthcare be like that? And then I start taking technologies. Our patients can text us, email us. We've taken the best of practice in other industries and have started bringing it on using technology. I learned a long time ago, technology is here to stay. I mean, all the conversations about AI, it's not changing humans at all. You know, AI is just machine learning based on large language models. And having said that, the basic human need has not changed since man was walking the earth for the first time. Live, love, learn, leave a legacy. We want physical survival. We want to be loved and cared for. We are intellectual survival love. And then we want to live immortal, but we can't physically, so we leave our names behind. That comes from Stephen, Dr. Stephen Covey, the seven habits, highly effective people. But those are the core human values. So when you keep the quintuple aim in mind, and you anything we do must fit those four, five criteria,
0: guess what? It works. Wow. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's look at clinical burnout. We know that it is, ah, it's an epidemic. You know, there is a lot of issues with burnout taking place. Are there ways to solve this? If there are.
1: Oh, the we burnout. have to start a large degree. You know, I've recently hired over six to eight uh, nurse practitioners. In the new paradigm, we, we, we built a, a, a digital platform took the best of technologies elsewhere, tied it with EMR. So there are two sources of truth, the EHR, and then you have a patient engagement platform or a practice management platform. And we use Scribes, we use all kinds of technology, which is obviously safe, secure, HIPAA compliant, et cetera. The biggest complaint I get from my providers is, and this was a huge compliment to me, they said, you know, we can't work anywhere else because after five, they don't do any charting. You know, all the information is managed, healthcare, other than physically what you do with a human being is that data, information, knowledge game. Why did I say data, information, knowledge? You need data at the core. Those are like the bricks. You process data a little bit, it becomes information. It's internalized and it's organized a little bit. Knowledge is now internalized. You know it. But where we really need to live is the wisdom level. Why do we do this? So we've taken that. So, and the burnout dis- dissipated fast. A physician who's highly trained, another provider who's highly trained, why would you want them to do scheduling? Why do you want them to type sitting in front of a computer when your job is to deal with a human being, find out what the problem is, meet the goal, which is to discover what's the cause of those problems and then eliminate them? That's your care plan. So we have built a paradigm where the providers do what they are best. I use the paradigm of flights. See, each patient care episode journey is a flight. No flight in the world takes off without a flight plan or without control tower knowing. For human beings, that you go to another human being if you have a problem, so pain in my legs, problem. First goal is discover why there's a problem, eliminate the problem if you pain, which is a problem, maybe painkillers, but discover what's causing the problem. Now you have a problem, you have a goal, now you got a care plan. That's like your flight plan. Based on that, you have action items. Patient care is a journey. And we, just like flights, I use the paradigm of flights. So, any episode of care is like a flight taking off and land. Patient journeys are more complex than flight plans. No flight in the world takes off without a flight plan or without control tower knowing. The same way with patient care journeys, patients come to us with a problem, and then you have a goal. And the first goal is to find out what the problem is, discover the cause, and then put in some plan to get rid of the problem. That becomes a care plan. And those care plans now have to be managed by a care coordinator. And the provider is like the pilot. So you don't see the pilot getting off the plane to go de-ice the plane. The control tower does it and tells somebody else to do it. The same way we have built the platform now that allows us to create a care plan The other people are running it. In the past, I've done this for 40 years or 30 years. I've been entering stuff into EMRs, nothing comes back. You don't get insights out of it. So the real thing is actionable insights. And at the wisdom level, why do we do this? How do we do this? We've also made it where with technology now, we are connected with the patients. They can text us, email us, call us, live chat, whatever that may be. But you know, I we've developed what's called omni-channel healthcare delivery. What does that mean? Patients live at home. So we do home visits if they can't come to us. We see them in clinic, see them in the hospital, see them in nursing homes, and we do televisits. visits yeah, I don't know where else they would be, right? So we provide care to them in all these environments. We then do omni-channel communication text us, email us, do face-to-face, whatever that may be. For those who are marketers, you do omni-channel marketing because some people like Facebook, some like Instagram, some like email, whatever that may be. In that paradigm, it's about being connected with the patient and providing them care when they need it, including e-prescriptions. Uh, the biggest challenge today is actually dealing with payers mm-hmm. uh, and pre-authorization. So we built systems around that We do what's called a patient 360. So when a patient comes to us, we know what we need to know about them, include medical information, but how to reach them, email, mobile messages, we text them, we have marketing journeys that we'll do uh, where we educate them. But beyond that, we also know the household, who's their caregiver at home, whether it's a nurse, a parent, a loved one, we have, we connect with them, via messaging, email, And then also the payer, the payers are probably the biggest gatekeepers right now. And you may have, you know, their payers United is worth $492 billion. Mm -hmm. And each plan has a different, you know, criteria based on their stop loss ratio. So however they manage their business and the same company with different plans will have different criteria and preauthorization will be a nightmare. But we figured all of that out for the patient's case, for the provider's case. That's how we use technology
0: in in providing that.
1: I'll try to touch upon all the points for you a little bit there so you can lead on to the next thing.
0: Sure. So let's talk about some tools then. You had mentioned earlier uh, electronic prior authorization. I'm curious what tools you're utilizing for that as well as reconciling any prescription costs you come across with.
1: Yes. So the first thing, you know, um, I've been doing this a long time. I worked with every EHR that's out there and uh, also realized that EHRs are the source of truth for medical information. They are not the source of truth for engagement. They are not easy enough to engage. You can't get I, I remember I needed just one field. It took five years and I still didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Finally, I've st- uh, come upon Advanced MD that's SAS based. And I can create a field, we understand it, it's on fire standards, but in it, and they have open APIs. The other thing is everybody lives on their mobile devices, as you know. So we have invested heavily in platform for practice management and patient engagement. So took the EHR, Advanced MD, for example, has a medical record, has stuff in the front about scheduling, etc., and then has revenue cycle processes at the back. We took that, we took things like Salesforce, Box, Amazon Web Services, Vonage, different technologies that we've wrapped and built up a platform. We've actually spun it off into a management service organization. If you get a chance, look at it, it is CIMSS.com since. And what we did there was try to provide a comprehensive integrated management system that provides all these solutions. That's the acronym for SIMS. And with that platform now, every democratization of data, my front desk person, my marketer, my billing person, the provider, the nurse, everybody can see this on their handheld. So we've used technology that some of the top tech companies use to kind of bring this in. So we do pay a 360. It means means every plan, we know what criteria they meet. People are talking about AI this, that. Well, we've been using it a long time now. We took Salesforce. We mm-hmm. took the, when they tell us a certain plan and has these criteria, we have taken those criteria, made that into an internal knowledge base that is available to the provider at the time of service or to the care coordinator, or to the person doing the pre-auth. Some, and there are different tools out there, but the one tool too, we use advanced MDs for medication, you know, getting pre-authorization, because we do e- prescriptions. Earlier, it was a nightmare. We used to have to write all these things, print it, fax it, keep it here, keep it there, uh, including um, the uh, controlled substances. And now it's all, we don't write a single piece of paper, rarely. We've got some that we keep on the lock and key. Uh, we've even had somebody stole some of mine and kind of fake signatures, et cetera. All that, all that is gone. But even once you send the e-script, you have the patient's mobile number, advanced on these platform, and the pharmacy, they talk to each other through SureScripts. And next you know, they're actually getting text messages. Hey, your medication's ready. We use a pharmacy that uh, actually does home delivery for patients. So that's for talking about equity of care, older people can go to the pharmacy, having problems, et cetera. But also we do that reconciliation of meds as well. And you know, we, chronic conditions, are 80% of Medicare's budget. And in that, one of the things we know that uh, as patients go here, they go there, they're all over the place. They may go to a pharmacy. So being part of SureScripts, and in Advanced MD we have clinical information exchange. That works with care equality, and basically almost every large system is out there, PCC, Cerner, Epic, all the pharmacy, etc. So we see in our EHR a summary that shows up and say, this is the location summary for the patient. This is where he's been. These are the docs. Here is a uh, a CDA document that says, here's a clinical summary. These were the meds. We can see their problems, their meds. And we have a team of care coordinators that look at all of this and say, hey, patient A, B, C, you know, you forgot you got 20 meds, but do you take these? Oh, yeah, I forgot. So that helps us.
0: Right. Similarly,
1: through that technology, we are able to send information, clinical information exchange to another provider. It's actually Medicaid mandates that is direct messaging." So we can look up in our EHR the particular number, uh, name of the doc. We know we have it. Send the clinical summary over and vice versa. Uh,
0: So, Dr. Chopra, before we conclude this conversation, I really wanted to talk to you about a topic that um, we had talked about offline, and that's about payer clearance. Um, I wanted you to elaborate on that and how it solves for prior authorization.
1: So, you know, I joke about this, that uh, connecting with the payer is like praying to God. Nobody's met God. God never talks to you back. If you do, then people think you're schizophrenic and you're on some meds or smoking something. It's the same with the payer. You send a claim, they pay you if, you have, if you're, you're lucky. If you don't, you send an appeal. Try calling them. It'll take you two hours on the phone. And, uh, you know, if you ask them their name, they only give you the first name. You can't text them. You can't email them. They'll do some stuff in there. And, so, and every payer, it's it's very opaque to say the least. And at the same token, one of the things is they have all these plans and now they have Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage is not Medicare and it's not Advantage. It's a glorified HMO. I might get in trouble for saying this for some people, but it's the truth. You know, the companies, I know several people in the business, it is a way to take the money. They have stop-loss ratios they got to manage. They try to get more money by all the diagnosis codes, chronic codes. Then they got to tighten the purse strings. As soon as it comes to the end of the year, closer to the end of the year, they, they do all the analytics for their stop-losses. If they're getting close, all of a sudden, denials. Then they start retrospective denials. So we have actually tracked every payer. Payer is just a the company. every plan. We actually rate them. And I even know what, and they're by law not allowed to make more than a certain amount of money, depending on their size, 15 to 20%. But they use intermediary companies. You'll have all these, whatever name, health company. They do peer reviews. They do all this stuff. They play all these games. I got denied on a a $20,000 surgery because of the word occlusion was somewhere in the report. The same company has with guidelines on a different plan, pay us no problem. Patient has done fantastically well. He's been my patient for 20 years. We saved his limb. So the best first thing is we do something called P3RM, patient relationship management. So a patient 360, provider relationship management, who are all the providers, what do we do? But third is payer relationship. So you do a payer 360. So sometimes when they come in and I see their payer, the plan, I know exactly what's going to happen. And I tell them, the patient, this is what most likely will happen. And so in that spectrum, first is knowing the payer and the plans. Then they all have determinations. They have all these guidelines. Guidelines are not for care. It's about what to pay for and what not to pay for. And then it's a documentation game. You know, one patient had symptoms, got rest pain, got all these problems. And this surgeon's arguing with me as to why he would approve it. And like, finally, I had to tell him. I said, listen, I didn't tell the patient to choose your plan. I'm going to tell the patient, you have this. These are the findings. Another plan would pay for it. Medicaid pay for it. They don't want to pay for it. So your choice. You want to change, change, come back. But this is all I can do. Within a second, he goes, approved. Take phone done." So my point is what we've done is first know the payer well, know the plan well, know the criteria they're using well, and it's a documentation game. Now, you know, most practices, you have a practice manager, you don't have a system, you don't know, they are faxing, they're calling. Where else in the world do you use a fax? So they're faxes, then they, they said we didn't get this, we go back. So we track every call, everything. There was one patient that they had pre-authorized, pre We did the procedure and then they denied, 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 went with this, that, that. Nine months later, I wrote a letter to the commissioner. I got a payment next day because they met all the criteria. They, for them, it's a money game. So... It's a long way of telling you, you got to know the payer well, know the plan well, and manage that information well in whatever system you use. EHRs are not the best for that. EHR has the clinical data. So we have actually built a platform now that we have all this. We actually use what's called, you know, in, in Salesforce, we use service cloud, where we've actually built a case with all this information, put it all together. Now there are payers who are willing to accept this electronically because it's as big a headache for them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Manage that. So we're trying to work on this. We actually built our own. We tried other companies and it's the same game. You pay them all these fees. You're going back and forth. So there are several companies that have come out in the pre-op space, but there's nothing better than using one of your own systems where you know the payer and the plan well. For certain things like medications, imaging, we use Advanced MD, it's easy. Then we use a couple of other platforms that we've tried out. But for managing it internally, that seems we built our own. Okay.
0: Well, Dr. Romy Chopra, um, it's been great hearing your insights on putting the care back in healthcare. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you. you. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for having me. You're welcome. That is going to do it for this episode of MGMa's Business Solutions Podcast. We've been uh, here talking with Dr. Romy Chopra. He's founder and chairman of Memet Health. Uh, we will uh, add many resources and links in the episode show notes so the items that Dr. Chopra was talking about, we can take you right to those. So thanks again for being a listener to the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. The popular buzzword we've been seeing everywhere is AI. But what we all want to know is how we can implement and use it to our advantage. When it comes to improving margins, accelerating cash flow, and optimizing staff performance, there's a one stop shop using cloud based predictive analytics. MGMA Analytics is your AI enabled tool that upscales technology you've already been paying for so you can silo your disparate systems and make data-backed business decisions visit mgma.com/analytics and see how ai can revolutionize your finances and operations again visit mgma.com/analytics today